Good morning. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And uh, thank you for joining us uh, by way of Facebook Live or YouTube Live. And uh, wherever you're at, thank you for joining. And um, again, my name is Pastor Scott, and uh, I'm glad to be the pastor of this church here at Lake Point here in Shelby Township, Michigan. Um, if, this, if you're new with us, if you haven't joined us, uh, we have a link for a, what we call a connection card, and we'd love for you to connect with us. Let us know that you're watching and participating. And uh, if this is your first time joining us, just fill that link, you know, fill out that connection card on that link and, uh, and submit it. And we'd like to send something to you in the mail as a thank you for joining our service here at Lake Point Church. Uh, we've got things going on. Even though we can't meet here post, you know, in, in person, uh, we've got virtual life groups happening, and you can be a part of that. Not too late to jump into a virtual life group. Look for a link uh, in, in the platform that you're watching it from. And also, this Friday, we are having a Good Friday service by way of video, by way of live stream, at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to be doing communion, and of course, you're not taking a hit to church, so you're going to have to be creative. Think about what that means in your own house. You know, it might be for the bread. You know, you can get, uh, you know, if you've got crackers or if you've got um, uh, like a pita bread um, or just a regular piece of bread, whatever you have, um, you can use that for bread. And then for juice, if you don't have grape juice, use any kind of juice. You know, worst case scenario, use water because it's just a symbol. And, uh, but I'm going to invite you to have those things available. And at 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock, one of those times this Friday, um, we're going to invite you to have that in front of you with your family. And at some point in that service, we're going to invite you to be a part of communion. And so I uh, invite you to do that this Friday, Good Friday service. And then Sunday, it's Easter Sunday. And uh, you know what? No matter what it is, no matter what's going on in our world, on Easter Sunday, we're reminded that Jesus rose again. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate Easter. And wherever you're at, we're going to celebrate. And, uh, and so next Sunday, we're going to have a 9.15 and 11 o'clock service. We're also going to have a 1 o'clock, a 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock service. All day, we will be live, seven services, and we're going to encourage you to share it with your friends. There's a way to do a watch party on Facebook and invite you to set up a watch party and invite your families and friends to share it with your, with your friends and on your Facebook land. Share an uh, email out to you on YouTube and let people know, you know, hey, Easter is happening and they can catch one of our services next Sunday. And so... We're looking forward to next weekend. It can be a great, great day for us. Um, what well, we're jumping into um, the sixth word of our series, our message series, When Love Speaks. We're looking at the final words of Jesus, and we've been looking at a lot of different words. And uh, here's what I want you to do, you know, today. I want you to, you know, right now, if you're watching it by way of Facebook, I want you to share this right now. Invite somebody to join us as we dive into this series. You should have a handout. There's a link for the handout. And uh, click on that link. Follow along. 
can also watch or follow along on your uh, handout on the Uversion app. And you can look at that and look at the live event on Uversion. Go to live and find Lake Point Church in our area, and then you can follow along that way. Uh, recently, I've watched a movie about Neil Armstrong. And if you're, if you're like me, uh, anytime I watch a, a movie about a true person or a true event, um, I, I tend to do more research. You know, I like to see how much the movie kind of went away from the actual facts. And I'm always doing that. I go check out Wikipedia. You know, I see what Wiki had to say about the event of the movie I just watched. And what Neil Armstrong was no different. Watched the movie, and then I went to Wikipedia. I find a couple of documentaries. You know, if I could get a book, I look at a book. And, and here's what I learned about Neil Armstrong. The guy is crazy. He's nuts, but he's awesome. I mean, this guy did things that you didn't think about in the 1960s. And it was crazy to think that he and two other guys got into this little, little spaceship and, then, and, and, and took off on a rocket into outer space to, to land on the moon. And, and, and here's how crazy it was. They weren't even sure if they would even make it, and if they did make it, if they would come back alive. If they would even come back alive. And we all know this historical moment is when they landed this, this, that little lunar module on the surface of the moon. That there was a statement that Neil Armstrong made. The eagle has landed. The eagle has landed, and he stepped out, and, and he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And both of those statements are statements of victory. The, the, the word that says mission accomplished. And all throughout history, there have been great victory statements when a battle's won, you know, when a, a, a great game has been won, or when people just accomplish great things, they will make great statements of victory. And, and, and today, I want to talk about the word of victory. The word of victory. We have a look at the word of assurance on the cross. When Jesus looked at the thief and said, Today, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. We look at the word of love. When he looked at Mary on the cross, his mother, and said, Mother, here's John, his disciple, John, take care of him. And he looked at John and said, John, take care of my mom, Mary. We look at the word of faith. We look at him when he said, Hey, you know, in the world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. We look at the word of substitution when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Last week, we looked at the word of humanity, humanity, when Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And today, the greatest victory statement has ever been made. It's only three words in the English language, but the sixth word from the cross when Jesus cried out, it is finished. And when you understand what that means, you will have no doubt in your mind that this is the greatest victory 
statement that's ever been made. In fact, the Bible tells us that rather than being a, a whimper of a martyr who had been exalted, discouraged, and defeated, that Jesus, he shouted it out. He cries out, it is finished. And I want to tell you that. When he said those words, the universe shook. It shook when Jesus said that. Last week I mentioned that the final three words of Jesus on the cross were said one after another. He said, I'm thirsty. Today he said, it is finished. Next week we'll look at the, the last statement. Into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Let's look, let's look at God's words and see what it said in John chapter 19 and verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soak a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lip. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. I, you know, as I was studying this, and um, last week I would talk about all the reasons why Jesus says, I'm thirsty. But I realized it's also a practical reason. Remember the word I'm thirsty means that he was suffering from thirst. He was deathly thirsty. He could barely speak. And a practical reason that Jesus asked for water, I believe, is so that he could make this bold statement. It is finished. So that he could have a voice to cry out those famous words. It was not a cry of despair. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they also told tells us about this statement. And they said that Jesus shouted it out. It was a cry of victory. And with that, the Bible says, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, you know, the Roman soldiers, they thought, man, we're finished with this radical rebel who could challenge Rome. Man, he's finished. When Jesus died on the cross, the religious leaders, they thought, man, we're finished with our competition. We, he's dead. He's gone. We don't, he's been getting all the big crowds. He's been getting everybody to follow after him. But now he's gone. He's finished with the disciples. When they look at Jesus' death on the cross, they thought in their mind, oh man, it's finished. It's over. The kingdom of God is finished. The dream of expanding God's kingdom is over. Even Satan in this moment in glee, he thought, man, I'm, I'm so excited. The son of God is finished. But when Jesus said, it is finished, he was not saying, I'm finished. And he say that. He said, it is finished. It's a big difference. And Jesus did not say, I'm finished, because he was not finished. Three days later, we know that he came back to life. He was not finished. Jesus did what God 
sent him to do. The word, it is finished. It actually comes from one Greek word, the word tetelestai. Tetelestai. I want you to look at somebody in the room. I want you to tell them, tetelestai. You're learning a little Greek today. All right, go ahead and say it. Tetelestai. Good job. Okay, that means it is finished. It means to end, to complete, to execute, or to discharge a debt. The word tetelestai is actually used in six different ways in the ancient Greek language. I want to look at a few of them, not all of them. But to an artist, to an artist, he or she would complete a painting, a portrait. And when they got to the very end, and they made the last brushstroke, they would say, Tatalistai, the painting is perfect. What Tatalistai meant is that the picture is perfect, it's finished. And when Jesus died on the cross, and he said, Tatalistai, he said, the picture is perfect. I've done the last stroke. Every detail of this picture is perfect. And that's what it means to an artist, to a servant. The word tetelestad means something else. When you will come in and report to your master that you have finished all the duties of the day, you would say tetelestad. You would say, hey, the work has been completed. I finished the job. I completed the work. And that's what it meant when Jesus was on the, was on the cross. He said, hey, Tetelestai, I have completed the work that the Father has given me to do. To a marathon runner, the word Tetelestai meant something else. When he would cross the finish line, he would cry out with his arms lifted up. He said, I ran the race and I've won the race. And on the cross, Jesus knew that he crossed the victory line. And he said, man, the race has been run, and I have won the race. To a merchant, the word tetelestai meant in a different way. When a debt is paid in full and you owe nothing, the merchant would declare tetelestai. He would say, the debt is cleared, the totally paid off. And on the cross, Jesus paid the first payment. He paid the final payment. Jesus paid it all. You might say, well, what did he finish? What did he finish? Well, last week we talked about him completing all the prophecies, fulfilling all that. He finished accomplishing all those prophecies. By the way, on your handout notes, there's a list of some of my favorite prophecies. I'm going to encourage you this week just to look it over, look at some of the verses, and, uh, and just look at some of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. These prophecies that span over 4,000 years before Jesus died on the cross, and he fulfilled every one of them. Last week I said he fulfilled over 380 plus prophecies. But what else was finished? What else did Jesus finish? Well, Satan's plan had been ruined since the beginning of the birth of Jesus. And Satan did everything he could to take Jesus off the track to the cross. But Jesus, he finished it. He completed what God sent him to do. 
The sacrifice was perfect. The debt has been paid in full. Sin lost its sting and power for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus looked up to his father and he said, I have finished what you have sent me to do. Mission accomplished. And the best news for all of us is that Jesus finished the work. Our salvation is complete. Jesus finished with victory. He finished well. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question. As we think about how this means to us, are you a good finisher? Do you, do you finish well? Do you have unfinished business in your life? Do, and let's be honest. We live in a world, we live in a culture where people start many, many things, but only few people finish what they started. And we need to, we need to admit that we have unfinished business in our lives. What are some unfinished business in your life? Why don't you think about that for a minute? What are some unfinished business? Maybe it's something that God has burdened you. He created you to do something, and yet you've not seen it through. Maybe God called you to adopt or to be a foster parent, but it hasn't come to pass. Maybe your unfinished business is to forgive someone. Maybe your unfinished business is to get out of debt. Maybe, just maybe, you're watching today, and your unfinished business is to share the love of Christ with someone you love who is far from him, who is far from God. And maybe God put somebody on your heart, and you've got some unfinished business to do. In the next few moments, what I want to ask you to do as the Spirit of God reveals his word, I want you to let him speak to your heart in light of whatever your unfinished business is. Because I believe this. I believe that every single day that God blesses us with another opportunity to live, is another opportunity to take one step closer to the purpose that God has called you and I to be. I believe that. So how do we, like Christ, finish well? I want to give you a couple of thoughts today as we seek God and how we can finish strong. And here's the first thought, if you're taking notes. We're going to make a commitment. Make a commitment. A good definition of commitment is a decision made in advance. A decision made in advance. You make the decision now, not later. Don't make decisions based on feelings. See, if you do that, you won't commit. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. He says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness, your eager willingness. I mean, some of us, hey, we've got good intentions. And he said, man, your good intention to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Don't just hope to do something. Don't just have good intentions. Commit to it. Don't just talk it. Walk it. Execute it. Take some forward steps. We see this in the Old Testament. 
when Moses was speaking to the second generation of the, of the Hebrews in Deuteronomy, they're about to go into the promised land. And Deuteronomy is kind of like Moses' swan song. That's just his final words. And so he kind of giving them their last charge. He said, hey, listen, don't forget what it takes to be in God's blessing, to live for him, to love him with all of your hearts and soul and mind. It's reminding the people to not get away from God, but to worship him and him alone. And Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, notice what he says. He said, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And now he said, now choose life. Make a decision now, not later so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. He said, make a decision. Make a decision. He said, make a decision to love the Lord your God. Do it now to, to listen to his voice and to draw close, to draw close to him. We'll see this later on in the life of Joshua, at the end of his life, you know, they're in the promised land. He's been leading them. He took over from Moses, and he's been leading them to claim the land. And now he's at the end of his life, and he kind of gives them the same charge. We see this in Joshua chapter 24. He said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. A decision made in advance. No matter how I feel, I've already made the decision. I'm going to challenge you this morning to make some commitments. To make some commitments. To make, some, to make decisions now in advance. Make a commitment to spend time in God's Word, to draw close to Him. During this time where we're Many of you are self-quarantined. If you're able to work, you're still coming home. You can't do much. Man, I'm going to challenge you to make some commitment to draw close to God, to draw close to Him, no matter how you feel, no matter if you feel discouraged, depressed, if you feel tired, maybe you feel a little too busy. Make a decision. You say, know what? A commitment. No matter how I feel, I'm making a decision right now for my future days to follow through. And, and, and this works wherever you're at, whatever decision you need to make. Maybe your marriage, maybe at work, your integrity, maybe your discipline to stay healthy, to lose weight. You know, you make a decision, commit a decision now, no matter how I feel, it doesn't base on my feelings. I'm making a decision now. So later on, when you're feeling tired, you're like, you know what? I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to do that workout. I know I feel tired, but I'm just going to do it. You know what? I'm going to avoid eating the double-stuffed Oreo cookies. In fact, I'm not going to buy it. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm not going to even put it in my pantry. You know, I, I made a decision now, no matter how much I crave. Mmm, double-stuffed Oreos. You know, I get weak when it comes around those. But no matter what, I made a decision in advance. 
I'm committed. I am committed. Making a commitment. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song. Many of you probably know this song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And that commitment is taking your passionate desire to do something, drawing a line in the sand, stepping across, the li- stepping across that line and say, there's no turning back. And that's how we finish strong, when we commit with that kind of resolve. We see that personified by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, today is Palm Sunday. And on Jesus, when he would walk, when he was riding that donkey, into Jerusalem. The people were cheering, they were crying out, Hosanna. They were thinking that, man, Jesus is gonna come over and take over the, take over the throne. He could be the new Messiah. But Jesus wasn't coming in to become a political Messiah. He was coming in to be a Messiah for all mankind. He was taking a step. He was being committed to the cross. And he's riding into Jerusalem, knowing that the next time he leaves Jerusalem, was carrying a cross. He was committed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was battling over what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. The Bible says that the stress and the agony were causing him to sweat blood from his forehead. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, we kind of hear it. He said, Father, If you are willing, take the cup from me. He said, Father, if there is another way for me to do this, let's do it that way. And if Jesus was making a decision only based on feelings, he would have quit right here. He would have quit if he was making a decision based on his feelings. But something happened, and I believe that this is the moment that where our Savior stepped across the line and said that there was no turning back. And he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. I'm willing to do, I have made a decision to do it. And in that moment, in this moment, it was on. Jesus was committed. If we're going to finish strong like Jesus, we start with commitment. By making a commitment with great resolve. And so that's the first step, make a commitment. Here's the second thing. If you want to finish strong like Jesus, you've got to take the next step. You've got to take a next step. And then when you take a step, you've got to take another step, and another step, and another. And our mission statement here at Lake Point Church is helping people taking their next step with God. Now, why is this so important? Why do we encourage people to take one step at a time? Because here's the deal, the chasm between where you are and where I am and to where God wants you to be, it is so overwhelming. The see where God wants to go can, can make us all very anxious. And that's why God said, listen, I'm going to help you one step at a time. If you focus on the chasm, and the overwhelming uh, process that God wants to take you through, that's why so many people don't finish what they start. They look at this huge chasm and say, man, God, I, I can't do that. But you can. You can do it. 
one step at a time. You see the unfinished business, and you say, man, this is so overwhelming. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But you can do it one step at a time. Who remembers the movie? Who remembers the movie, What About Bob? How many of you remember that guy? He's got the guy, you know, he, he can't do squat without his doctor. And, and, and finally the doctor tells him, hey, take baby steps. You know, take a baby step to the chair, right? Take a baby step to the elevator. Take a baby step to the outside, right? I love that movie. Take a baby step. And for some of you, you need to take a baby step. Baby steps. Baby step out of your addictions. Maybe you need to take a baby step out of to being to becoming a foster parent or to adopting that child. Maybe you need to take a baby step to the promise of what God has called us to do and who He has called us to be. If God has called you to do something, take a step in that direction today. Notice what Psalm says in 119. It says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You see, God doesn't give us the full revelation sometimes to see the whole way through. He, he gives us what we need to know one step at a time. And, and when you spend time in God's word, he, he's to help you to see the steps that you need to take one step at a time. So my friend, what's your next step? What is it that you need to take? Don't have to worry about mapping the whole thing. God has a plan. He just wants you to take your next step. What is it? What is it? Is it a letter that you need to write? Is it a phone call that you need to make? Is it, is it maybe you need to cut up the credit cards? And it get in, you know, it's been, it's been causing financial strain in your life and you've been in debt. Maybe that's your next step is to cut the credit cards. Maybe your next step is to forgive. Maybe your next step, maybe your next step is going to happen today when you surrender your life to Christ and follow him with your heart. What is your next step? And if we're going to finish strong, if we're going to commit with great resolve, you have to take the next step. You have to. You know, this time of the year, is, you know, when it comes to Easter, as I reflect on the cross, it's so overwhelming about the journey that Christ took from the Garden of Gethsemane to Golgotha. Golgotha is the, is the place where he was crucified. It's called the place of a skull, Golgotha. And I often imagine what that journey up that hill was like. You know, Jesus was beaten within an inch of his life Barely unrecognizable as a human being. But Jesus took a step up that hill, up to that mountain, up to that Calvary. He took a step to carry your cross, carry your sin to your to a cross. He took a step. In that agony, with the crown of thorns being put on his head, the thorn going into his and the blood coming down on his face and into his eyes. Yet he took a step 
with the hope that if you would say yes to a relationship with Christ, that you would become adopted as a child of God. Then he picked up the cross that he would be hung on, placed it on his shoulders, on his beaten body, and he took a step with the hope that those of us who are under the suffocating weight of bondage and addiction would be set free. He took a step for you and for me. He clawed his way up to the place where nails the size of railroad spikes would pierce his wrist. He took another step to say to you, I love you, as he nailed, pierced his wrist and hung on the cross. He was on the cross for six hours, bearing the sins of the world out of his body, taking your sin and my sin and paying it all for us. And he took a final step to muster every ounce of energy that he had from within to cry out in victory, die. it is finished. He finished well. He finished strong. And for those of us who still have breath in our lungs, who have not yet finished what God has called us to do, let us, let us be encouraged by the truth of God's word in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, we can know this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will help you. He will carry you through. He's not going to leave you hanging high and dry. He will help you finish your unfinished business. In 1968, in Mexico City, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics were taking place, and there was a man from Tanzania, little African country, a man named John Stephen Akwawi. And he went, to, he went to the Olympics and hoped for an Olympic gold medal in the marathon 26.2 mile race. But sadly for him, midway through the race, he fell, and his knees gushing out with blood. In fact, his knees were out of joint. And, and many people thought, oh man, he's not going to be able to finish the race. Everybody else, they finished the race and about an hour or two after the race was over, there was a strange sight that would start hobbling into the marathon, into the, into the empty stadium, almost empty stadium. There were few people there. John Stephen Aquari was hobbling his way into that stadium. He had a towel wrapped around his leg, blood coming down his legs, and he was hobbling through and he crossed over the finish line. He, would, he wasn't going to just stop. He had unfinished business and he was going to finish the race. And after the race was over, after he crossed that race, the interviewers that came around him and said, man, why do you do that? Why do you keep running the race? Now, I love what John Aquari says. He said this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race, but they sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. 
God did not send you to earth to start a race. God sent you here to finish it. Commit to it. Take a step and finish. You have unfinished business. And God wants to help you complete the job. Paul says this in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus had given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. My friend, finish the race. Finish well. Don't let the disruption in our lives stop you from finishing what God has called you to do. And if you're still alive, God's not done with you. He's still working on you. I pray that you keep in step with the Spirit, stay close to God, follow His voice, commit, commit, and take the next step, and then take another step, so that one day you can stand before Christ in heaven, and you say, Tetelestai, I have completed what you've sent me to do, and we will hear our Savior say, well done, my good and faithful servant, finished strong. If you're here this morning watching, and maybe your next step that you need to take is a relationship with God. You see, he died on the cross. He finished it all for you. And I invite you today to ask him into your life and receive him into your heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word that we have. We thank you for a Savior who did not go down on defeat, but a Savior that won it, that paid it all, that cries out, Tatalistai, that it is finished. You finished the race. You ran it and you won it. And God, I know that there's some of us, we just need to make a commitment. There's something that we need to finish. God, I pray that we would be that we would stand up, we, that we would go for it, that we would recommit, making a decision now in advance, not based on feelings, not based on how what's going on in our lives, but God, that we know in advance that we're going to do what you want us to do. And that, God, help us once we commit to take a baby step, to take the next step, whatever that might be. And God, for some of us here, that's what we need to do take that next step and open our eyes to see what that might be. And God, there are some here watching and their next step is to ask you into their life. It's a relationship with you. And if that's you, I hope that you can pray this prayer with me. God said all you have to do is just call out to him and he hears you. He can hear you right where you're at in your, in your bedroom, in your living room, if you're watching outside, wherever you're at, the Bible said that you cry out to him. Jesus said, all you have to do is pray and just ask Jesus, ask me to come to your heart. And here's what you pray. If you're sitting there, you want to ask Jesus into your life. You can say these words. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I have dropped the ball. I have fallen short of where you want me to be. 
But God, I'm asking you to come into my life. You finished it all for me. You paid the debt. You paid the, you paid the penalty of my sins. So God, I'm asking you to come to my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to commit to you and take a baby step in knowing more about you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying on the cross and for coming back out of the grave three days later. In your name, I pray, amen. Thank you for watching. And again, if you made a decision, we'd like to know more about it. On that connection card that I talked about earlier, there's a link right below. I want you to click on that link, fill out your information, and let us know about the decision that you made today. Maybe you want to make a decision for baptism. And you say, you know what, I want to get baptized. And we'll do baptism when we get back to the building. We'll have a baptism. But if that's you, we'd love to help you have a conversation. And uh, maybe you want to become more, know, know more information about Lake Point Church, what it means to be a member. Again, that's a decision that you can make. But what is your next step? And that card right there, that link, will help you navigate some next step here at Lake Point Church. Thank you for watching. God bless.